Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, it's Yas here and I'm calling today with a little favour to ask. Over the recent weeks and months, I've had loads of you get in touch with some great questions and today I'm going to be trying something new with the show. I'm trialling a Q&A segment where I'll be joined by a co-host and elite coach educator, Gerard Jones. Now these are discussions which are going to be taking place every Sunday evening at 7.30 GMT live on Twitter space if you wanted to get involved directly. Otherwise, I'll be releasing them here every Wednesday on the Coaches Network podcast. So for today's format, slightly different, and for around about 30 minutes, each discussion will be dedicated to a question that has been sent in where myself and Joa will be going into some real depth and sharing our views and opinions on the topic in order to leave you with some key takeaways to consider in your own environments. So the favour I'm asking for today, guys, is if you could let me know your thoughts on the new format, and you can do this by getting in touch on Twitter at thecoachesnet. Once again, that is at thecoachesnet. And of course, if you have a question, feel free to send that in too. Hope you enjoy the new format. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. Hey guys, you're now listening to the Coaches Network podcast, a podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete, talent and personal development. My name's Coach Yas and I'm a UEFA A licensed football coach, coach developer and content creator. I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. Yeah, let's dive straight into the topic, man. So, all I've noticed, where, where do your thoughts take you straight away? Straight away, I'm thinking, what are we looking for? So, whether it's a, a game or a match, uh, or, uh, sorry, game or a match, same thing, practice or a match, it's what are you purposely looking for? So, if it's during a training session, how are you purposeful in your observation? So, are there certain things based on I guess the session intention or the, the the overall focus of the practice, where you you you're trying to notice those particular things. Um, so you know, in a practice session, it might be that I'm 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 really wanting to look at you know Yaz and G in terms of their position and off the ball. So even though the ball's in the other half or. Um, even within a possession practice, they might be off the ball. I'm looking at 
where is their movement in relation to everyone else or their positioning or whatever it may be. So there's a lot of off-ball coaching, uh, off-ball actions that I'm trying to notice. That could be one example. It could be the same for a game as well, for a regular match. You know, are you looking at them defensively? Are you looking at units? So really for me, Yaz, it's just it's been purposeful and intentional around what it is you're trying to see because I think often the danger with coaching is we try to see everything and in doing so, you see nothing because you're looking and you're seeing everything, but you're not really seeing anything because you, you, there's too much information to be able to to see through our own eyes. Evening, guys. I only kind of jumped in to try and bail Yaz out. Um, yeah, it was... Um... It's an interesting one when uh, when I saw the, the the title come up because it's it, it, I guess if you're giving yourself a focus, it's easy to know where to look. But the point that you were making, Gerard, about um, about a lot of looking away from the ball, I think it's that's one of the that's one of the things that is probably easier the more experienced you are as a coach. I think that when uh, when you first get into coaching, there's a lot you, you you tend to you tend to be a little bit like you are when you're a spectator, I guess. Um, and like you know, when you watch it close up on TV, you, your eyes are drawn to the ball. Uh, and the more experienced you get, the more games you do, the more training sessions you take, then it's easier to not focus on the ball to, you know, if, if you remember the expression that we used to use on the old level two course, coach on the ball, around the ball and away from the ball. And now with, with looking at it through the lens of a much more experienced coach and coach educator, we were maybe asking people to do too much too soon. You know, that in the olden days, that, that level two was many people's first journey into football. Um, so to expect them to be able to coach on the ball, around the ball and away from the ball was probably asking a little bit much. Just just really quickly on that one, and I think it's a great point. Um, my question to you would be this, though. Do you think that it was an expectation that they should be able to do that or more of a, a raising of awareness of what they should be able to work towards, if that makes sense? Yeah, um, a little bit of both, I guess. When the, um, if, I don't know if you, how long you've been doing coach education, Yaz, um, but the old, the old method, if you like, of 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 marking students, which Gerard will know because I've mentioned this before. Gerard was a student on a course that um, that I was helping to run. You had a very specific set of criteria. And you had to satisfy the coach in order to to tick the box, and that that business of on the ball, around the ball, and away from the ball was where a lot of people could and and did fall down. And again, I just wonder if that was you know the FA and and coach education at the time expecting too much of of people who were making that first step into into coaching at any level in some cases because like I say the old I'm, I'm going back now to the the days of the junior team managers course uh, and which was the, the the forerunner if you like of 
of the level one. Realistically, that level, the old level two course was the start of your coaching journey. So to expect some guy or some young lad, particularly who may be 18, 19, 20 years old student, played a bit of football, but not really, you know, the only coaching that they would have experienced at the time was the, the coaching that was being inflicted on them in some cases. Um, so hopefully as, as people get that additional experience, the, this art of, of noticing, you know, first of all, knowing what to look for. And then it's a bit like me getting old now. I've got to look for my car keys, but actually where did I last put them? So you've got to know where to look as well. Yeah, it's interesting because I was having this conversation with someone recently right, around um, the observation piece and I think it's it's that that balance between knowing what to look for and knowing what it should look like and I think I think to start with it's just well, what are the considerations? I think once you start to build the considerations in your mind and, be, and become aware of those, then you can start to identify for yourself well, what that looks like. So as an example of that, it could be are you paying attention to, I don't know, the body shape of a player as they look to strike it? What can you learn and what can you tell? What can, you know, what are the telltale signs? What can you anticipate from based on, based on what you're observing in front of you as what might happen next? Might not be the best example, but I think fundamentally what I'm trying to get at is that if we're not thinking about certain things, then we're not going to start to ex- examine them if, in, in, in some respect. Um, Gerald, I'm conscious, obviously, I missed the top of what you said or most of it anyway. So just, you know, going back to this art of noticing piece, you know, how do, how do you view that? You know, what's the difference between noticing and observation? Um, I don't know if there is a difference, but I think what we've got to get at is how can you just be more intentional around what it is you're looking for? And I agree with Tony. I, th- I think it is hard. I mean, I'm having that challenge even now with, with you know, different levels of experience of coaches, but they struggle to look off the ball, you know, and I mean, I was one of them, you know, and I remember in the early days, I was focusing a lot on on ball and you, you're not looking, well, where's the goalkeeper stood? Where's the back line? Where's this, where that? But I think there's a lot you can learn through being intentional around your observation. You know, whatever experience you are, you can learn through almost trying to get into the eyes of what the player's seeing because it, it just makes it a little bit more intentional around what you're coaching. So then, you know, try not to, I know there's this phrase years ago, like butterfly coaching where you're here, there and everywhere and you're, you're not necess- I don't know if you have to necessarily work in logical order as such, but instead of trying to coach this and that and this and that, and it's broken down over here and you're coaching that and then you're coaching this and you're trying to affect all a lot of different areas all over the place, in that in that particular approach of coaching, it's almost like uh, coaching like snowflakes, if you like. I heard this expression years ago, like snow. It'll come, but it'll melt away. You know, how can you make the learning stick? So it's not like snow where it's coming in thick and fast and it's laying, but eventually it's going gonna, it's gonna to melt away. It's not actually building a foundation. Do you know what I mean? Like if you can imagine that, you know, because that, that could actually be how a lot of us are coaching. You know, we think we're having an impact, but how much is actually sticking? We're just overloading them with lots of information, lots of things to think about. 
But if you can be really purposeful around, well, I'm just looking really after this. And a little bit of some of the stuff, you know, Tony, you said probably in one of the recent weeks, you used that phrase, skillful neglect, where you're talking about, you know, identifying moments where it might be like, that's a, a problem for another day, or I can leave that for this individual and I can touch that on another topic. For me, that's to answer your question, Yaz, I think the art of noticing, the art of being purposeful in your observation is just really thinking, well, what is it I want to look at tonight? So even in its simplest form, if it's, I want to find ways that, you know, we want to improve the players to break lines, find different ways to to, to have that pass that, that eliminates two or more defenders. Great, okay. So what are the things that you need to notice and be able to track in order to know that we're being successful at that? Or what are some of the things that we need to look for to to recognise if, if we're not being successful? So I think coaches are thinking about that stuff before because the problem is, is as you'll probably agree, Yaz, we're not very good at, at noticing stuff. You know, we, we the, the human brain can only capture so much information. If we were to reflect on it, even now as we're all listening, you know, did you watch the, the Liverpool game or whatever? Could you remember everything that occurred in the first half? And the answer is no. Like, you wouldn't be able to objectively remember every moment that occurred. So our working memory has a limited capacity. And it's the same with the players, isn't it, Yaz? You know, that you're always fighting the forgetting curve. Whenever you're, whenever you're introducing something or you're sharing something, you're fighting against it getting forgotten. So how do you keep building on those and, and you know, build on the, the, the sort of messages that you're trying to create over a period of time? So I think if coaches can actually think about, okay, I'm going to purposely look for, you know, you give an example of body shape. It could be um, how many times we're effectively taking a first touch forward. You could track that with your notepad and pen. Or it could be, you know, how many times are we winning the ball in the opponent's half? You can track that easily, you know. Even little things like during a match, just purposely being intentional around, look, I know the ball's in the opponent's half, and but I can't affect that. But what I can do is have a little glance quickly to the left of me and look. Where's the goalkeeper stood? Where's the centre-backs? Because I think the problem we have, Yaz, is if we're not purposeful in our observation, we're not going to be able to coach them effectively anyway. So we won't be able to notice the things that we need to notice. So maybe there is a difference. Observation is is where you're looking and noticing is what you've seen. So it's capturing what you've actually seen. Maybe there is a difference there. I've just thought of that on the spot now. Because it's... If I'm looking, like as an example, we're in a match and the ball's in the opponent's half and I'm watching, you know, Tony drive down the outside, but I'm not aware of what's going on away from it. We've lost the ball, I'm watching that. Then all of a sudden they're through and they're breaking away on the counter. I might give information around, hey, you needed to get tighter or you need to do this, you need to do that. But that might not have been the problem. But if I look... And I go, wait a minute, my goalkeeper is still stood on their line. Come on, you need to get out. My two defenders are stood near the box. You need to stay connected to the midfield, push up. You need to be aware of this because they're leaving this foot. So now what we're going to do is we're going to have a better, we're going to notice really what actually happened versus what we think happened. So we should be able to see, whatever experience you are, 
you're at least looking. I mean, I've found this anyway with grassroots coaches. I've said to them, hey, just look off, look here. And they didn't know because you don't know if you don't know, do you? Do you know what I mean? It's that, that, it's that unconscious incompetence. You don't know what you don't know. So I've just gone, hey, just have a look here. What, are you happy where you, your defenders are, are stood here now? Oh, shit, no, I'm not. Where would you want them to be? Because, look, they've got this forward here. What would you do? And it's like, oh, I could move them up here. And But I, what I notice is they won't give that feedback. They won't coach that because they're not looking there. Do you know what I mean, Yaz? Like, they're not. So unless we tell them, just be mindful of this, they are just going to follow the ball. Sorry, Tony, you got your hand up. No, it's all right. I think I, I was just, there was a couple of points that you made there um, that, that that sort of made me want to jump in. You're right in what you're saying about the analogy there about the goalkeeper and the defenders are camped on their 18-yard line while you're, you know, you're attacking into the half before you lose the ball. They're the things that you notice. They're not the things that you're looking to observe. So there is a, you know, for me, there's a massive difference between noticing stuff and observing stuff. Observing for me is 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 quite a deliberate act, whereas noticing is taking in a lot more. Um, good example, peripheral vision. If someone throws a ball at you or someone kicks a ball and it's coming towards the side of your head, you'll notice it before you'll observe it, that kind of thing. The other example that you mentioned a couple of minutes ago about um, about the goalkeeper, about um, the striker keeps hitting the goalkeeper in the middle of the goal. Yeah, good save, good save. Hang on a minute. You're not observing where the goalkeeper's standing. He's standing in the middle of the goal and you keep kicking the ball to him. He's not saving anything. You're just giving him the ball. You know, when, again, going back to the old level two, when we used to be quite detailed, shooting, observe the position of the goalkeeper, put the ball where he isn't. Um, you know, that again, that's observation and noticing. Now, you might notice out of the corner of your eye something happens in the game. Someone's coming to close you down, um, but you've scanned and you've noticed. You, you, you're not really observing. Again, I think that observing is much more deliberate. I think I, no, I love the way you broke that down. That's bang on. Well said. Yeah, just to add on to that, I think that the fundamental piece I'm taking away from what both of you are saying is fun is that observation is essentially the action that we're carrying out, and the noticing piece is the outcome of what we've discovered, right? Um, and I think both of you kind of, in some ways, have kind of relayed back to the early point I made around the observation and the awareness of the observation. If you're aware of certain variables, then you can start to think about, right, how do they actually influence and impact on the performance of the players or whichever given moment it's in the game, right? So I'm looking at thinking to myself, okay, um, using Joe as an example, you need to play the goalkeeper situation. Well, how how much of a priority is that for the play, for the coaches when they're looking at what they're actually looking out for? Or are they specifically just looking out for certain things as, you know, and by that by that way of thinking, they, they kind of overlook and maybe completely discount things that actually are having an impact. And then you start to think about, I guess, you know, Jared, what you're saying earlier about you know recalling recalling the events of a game or whatever that might be. And it's like, you, I think you're thinking spot on because fundamentally, what we're looking at is coaches are only going to look out for the things that they consider to be important at that moment in time. Um, and sometimes it's not always taking into account what actually affects that that moment of the game or that that element of the team's performance or the individual performance. So I think, you know, 
my question, I guess, would be is how do coaches get better at starting to raise their awareness around what the variables could be here, right? What 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 the things are they could be noticing? Um, is there any you know any, any questions that you think the coaches could start to ask themselves around what that looks like? You know, because I'm I'm working with a group of coaches at the moment, and I've tried to design a practice or a, 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 almost like a circuit of practices that the coaches run through. Um, really fundamentally to you know to test it out as a coach development tool in terms of developing this observation and this noticing piece where they spend about 10 or so minutes on each practice within the circuit if you like and the six practices and the first thing was like well we're just going to keep repeating what we're saying well and then my challenge to that was well if you are repeating what you're saying then you're probably coaching to a script rather than actually coaching what the players need um, and if you find yourself having to repeat yourself, then the message probably didn't land in the first place, right? So is the information you're given actually relevant or are you missing things up because you're so fixed on the script itself? So you're not actually looking at the individual needs of the players in that session and identifying what they actually need, when they need it, and how that then may be completely different or the way in which you might need to relay that information might be very different when the next player or the next group of players steps into that practice with you. Um, yeah, I don't know what your thoughts are on that one. Yeah, I've been to, you know, what everyone else is thinking. I mean, for me, just from my experience, whether it's right or wrong, I was thinking more, what's your coaching position? Like, that's typically how I try and help coaches is I'll say, where, where can... And it's not that there's always an ideal position, because I also think that, you know, if you can see it, you should be able to affect it. Obviously, you've got to be able to know what you're looking for, of course. But, you know, certain people, as long as they can see it, they... I guess what I'm getting at is, like, I might prefer to be stood in this position, because I feel like I can notice things better. But that might be different, because Tony's, you know... Um, a different height to me. Well, he's not. We're about the same, I think. But uh, you know, example like Tony could be six foot five, and maybe he's got a better vantage point somewhere else, or he's five foot two. You know what I mean? Like it just depends. I think there's factors in in there. There's individual differences there. But I think coaching positions a huge point, Yaz. Right? Because if if you're talking about a session, it's well, do I need to be stood near the goalkeeper or near the goal and behind the back players to see that action of what they're seeing? Because then I'll notice things differently, right? And I'm looking at what they're seeing. Or it could be standing behind the, the attackers. So then I'm looking at it from a different vantage point of what the attackers are seeing running towards the, the defenders. If I'm stood on the sideline, which we all know the sideline in a game isn't necessarily the best observation place, you know, and I know some people, depending on what level you're at or what resource or facilities you've got, they might stand in a, a higher up and get a better vantage point. I mean, you've even seen in the pro game now, a lot of coaches now are getting <laughs> the, like, uh, the construction lifts, aren't they? And they're actually watching the session from above, which is pretty cool. But ultimately, it all comes down to what's your coaching position. So that's how I teach it, Yaz. I'll say, hey, what if you stand here? How does that help you notice what you need to see or... What is it you're trying to look for? If they're looking for, like, they want to help the, co the the timing and the movement of that run, well, where they're stood, they can't see it because there's too much chaos in front of them. And the defender's movement is blocking the vision. But if they just move over here to the side, now all of a sudden they can see the picture better. 
and they might be able to go and affect it better. Do you know what I mean? So I don't know if you've got any thoughts on that, Tony, Yaz. I know Yaz, yeah, yeah, you know, but that's a huge starting point. Anyway, coaching position. Yeah, I was just going to kind of tail on to what you said, you know, in, in that sometimes, it, you know, we talk a lot about wanting to see the perception or the perspective or the viewpoint of the players that we're actually working with in that moment. But, I think, you know, I think it's just as important to see, well, what does everyone else see when they look at you and then use that as a coaching intervention almost. Well, look, Tony, you've, you know, you've, you've pressed Gerard in this way, but what, you know, what have you tried to achieve with that? Okay, brilliant. Well, Gerard, what, what do you actually see when Tony presses you in that way? Do, you know, and then see if whether those two things marry up. Because if they do, then it's an opportunity for Tony to understand, actually, well, what I'm trying to get across isn't actually what's working. So if I'm trying to make play predictable and force him out wide, actually the way in which I'm doing it and presenting that to the opposition. Is- Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's not how it's, it's not how I've intended, um, and I think that's a great opportunity for the coaches to kind of engage with the players from both both perspectives, and even to encourage peer learning as well around what they see and what they don't see. Um, so that was that was probably the main point I was going to pick up on on that one. But I think you know, fundamentally, it's just looking at those individual pieces, right? You want to know what the people see, you want to know what the players see, and you want you know because that can open up and broaden your horizons around what's actually important and what should be considered as a coach. I think, Tony, you hit the nail on the head right at the top of the conversation when you said that, you know, obviously as, as you go through your journey and get more experience, you start to become aware and maybe a bit more, bit more cute with what you're looking for and how to look out for it. Um, but I think any coaches are maybe looking at this piece and looking at this topic in particular and thinking, well, how much am I noticing? How, where do I start? How do I get better Right? I think it's just really starting to ask yourself, well, if there's a a game problem or an individual element that you're trying to work on, 
what would it look like for it to be successful and then challenge yourself to you know to to really unpack and understand and think about what would it look like to cause a problem for that to become unsuccessful or to challenge it in becoming successful then you start to straight away you know go back and forth on looking at the yin and yang of the situation identify what some of those variables might be so as an example how how much of that ex- list can you exhaust? I remember having a conversation with a coach a couple of months back, and he, you know, it was, it was, there was I can't remember what the topic was or what they were coaching, but they just kept on referring back to the same three or four points. And I said, you know, my, my question to them, um, just cause I was curious, you know, if, if without going on those three or four points, how how much more information do you think you could layer on top of that? And that was it; they were stuck; they couldn't because they were just fixed on focusing on those three or four points, which fundamentally just, again, took me back to the thought process of, well, this coach is just maybe coaching to a script, and they're not actually looking at what's happening and what's taking place and what's causing players to get success and what's stopping players from getting that success and how that is then influenced and impacted on when actually some players and the, and the in the practice might be rotating. So as an example, if we take... Uh, the analogy of Tony being six foot five, or what if Tony was six foot one, and what if Tony was five foot six? How would that influence the information and the and the and the you know the, that I'm going to be giving to the players and the the variables which they have to contest with? See, you know that's kind of where my mind was there. I'm not sure what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I mean the only thing I was going to add on was um, I know we're not spoken about it yet, but I think there's such a huge power in disconnecting yourself from a session. And I'd love to get people's thoughts on this because how many times have you ever felt that, um, at least I do anyway, if I'm coaching the session and I'm leading it and I'm in it, I might not always see certain things where somebody who stood next to me, they're not as emotionally connected to the session, they're not, they're not in it. They tend to notice other things more than I do. I might miss stuff. And likewise, like me and you, you know, and I'm sure Tony may be similar, you know, we'll come to watch sessions of other coaches. And it's not that we're catching them doing things wrong, but you're already noticing things because we've got this sort of bird's eye view, if you like, where we're looking and going, oh, what if we change this or change that? So, and I just reflected on that then thinking like, as a simple task, could it be as simple as a stepping away? Like, you know, just making space to be able to notice, physically step away to look at the big picture, um, to be able to notice things you might not have seen before. Because I think, you know, I've noticed it where if I'm co-coaching with someone and I'm further away than he is, I might notice things what he isn't. Just because he's purely invested in the, you know, you've got so much things going through your head, right? You're, You're thinking about that next activity, the coaching point, whatever it is, or even on a match day. You know, he might be managing the subs and he's doing X, Y, Z, but I just pop in and go, hang on a minute, what about this? And I think a lot of the time it's because we aren't as, uh, I don't know if you agree or disagree, but I think we're not as connected. So maybe just a simple tool could be stepping back and just allowing yourself that time to, to look because another challenge we've got as coaches is the info, and I'm doing this as part of my PhD, I'm looking at where play, coaches are looking as well as players and I'm looking at the the feedback that coaches give to players how that uh, guides visual search and things like that well often a lot of the feedback we give um, you know isn't always relevant to what the players need 
And a lot of, I'm, I'm just thinking about this now, probably because we're not necessarily observing what we need to see. So perhaps if we're getting in better positions, we can probably be a bit more uh, intentional and, and purposeful around the feedback that we give players. Sorry, Tony, yeah. Yeah, that's it's a really important point. I think one of the um, one of the things that um, when I was doing coach ed, I used to ask players to do, uh, uh, sorry, ask coaches to do is if you're going to go away and do some match analysis, you're going to watch a game and look for the coaching points, pick a topic, look for some coaching points, but don't do it when it's your team because, like you mentioned, the word invested there. You you no matter how sort of straight down the middle you want to be you get too invested when it's your team you don't watch objectively anymore you, you just get you know every decision against you is the wrong decision uh, and I've, you know it's the first weekend of the Premier League season if you go on Twitter now I guarantee every single club that's played a game this weekend has been done down by the referee it's never been their team's fault their coach's fault their players fault everybody looks for an excuse Whereas if it's when you, you know, if you do sort of step back from it, and and your point about the coaching position is spot on, you see more by stepping back. You see far more of the pitch. You see far more of, again, this going back to the art of noticing. If you stand closer to the action, you're not going to see the peripheral stuff, like that ball that gets kicked at the side of your head. You're not going to see it until it smacks you in the ear. Whereas if you step back a little bit, you'll see it coming, take it down on your chest and volley it back at the arsehole that smashed it at you in the first place. I love it. I absolutely love it. Is there any other strategies you did just from your experience of, you know, working with coaches or coaching or, or any other useful techniques you'd sort of... I know we spoke a couple about there where it's coaching positions, stepping back, doing this, doing that. Is there any others that you think are useful? I, I think you've mentioned... Probably most of it, you know, I was a big, when I first started coaching, like a lot of people, I was halfway down the pitch, sideline coach, uh, that's the best place to see everything from. And again, as I listened to other coaches or became more observant of what other coaches did, if I was uh, working with the goalkeeper in the back four, I'd go behind the goal. Um, I'd coach from on the pitch occasionally, but, but not a great deal. Having said that, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. They, you know, yes, there's only two teams on the pitch. They've got to navigate their way around the uh, around the referee. If I wanted to coach wide players, I'd probably put. If I was only working on one side, then I'd position myself on that side, so I kind of get their view of of, of where they are when the when they're going to put the ball into the box or cut the ball back. Um, so uh, I do think you need to be flexible enough to move around and uh, you know and know when to not get in the way but other than that the only other I guess if you want to notice things about yourself then the best way to do it which we've touched on before on here is is to get yourself filmed um and you know Watch yourself, coach. I um, I noticed the first time I did it when I'm speaking to players, I lean forward a lot. I lean in. Um, another tip that um, that I used was 
if I wanted them to listen to me, I didn't shout. I spoke more quietly, which some will find hard to believe because then they lean in. So, you know, there's, there's lots of little tips and tricks that, that when you get to my age, you've probably seen and done most things. I love those, to be honest with you, because there's, there's something you mentioned there, just a simpler one of whether you, you're inflating the frequency or the tonality of your voice, things like that are huge. But just a bugbear of mine is obviously coaches being on the field. Um, I've got no issue with if you're on there and it's like drive-by coaching or sometimes it might be good to stand in positions where you can, you know, see the midfield or whatever and do a bit of that. But I'm not a huge fan of getting them and coaches be on the field where they're getting in the way. It's almost like the referee, they're constantly getting in the way. And if you're spinning around, you're not seeing anything, you know. So I think that's a, a good one, or at least that's where I was thinking in my head was where can you be better positioned in order to go and affect it? And then, you know, just something that just popped into my head again was if we're really talking about the art of noticing, art of observation, how are we tracking what we're, we're seeing? You know, like, could there be some kind of, if it's a notepad, I'm not saying add extra to the pile for coaches and it makes, you know, it distracts them away from actually coaching. But if there's something there or we're empowering players to do it, where it's uh, linked to whatever the objective is, so like a little checklist, if you like, or even just a, if it's, you know, how many times we've won the ball in the opponent's half successfully, just keeping a tally of it because that's objective data that you can use at half time or if, or even players, you know, like are they playing through around or over? They're playing through us. Okay, how many times have they played through us? X number of times. All right, brilliant. Because now all of a sudden it's it's almost using... I guess the roadmap of the game, um, you know, like if you can visualize often a lot of coaches will sort of define the, the field into thirds, right? Defending third, offensive third, middle third, whatever. It's a bit like that. Like if you're looking at the, the, that field layout of us building the attack or finishing the attack or, you know, high pressing or mid block or, or defending towards a goal, Maybe that could be another little observational tool. So coaches use that roadmap of the field to then basically go, well, I'm only going to look at this particular area. So, the, the, again, they'd be more purposeful. And then that might then guide the feedback. So they're not necessarily talking about all kinds of other stuff, but they're only focusing on that particular area of the field. I mean, that's something that we've done a little bit over here, where we've said, look, if we're focusing more on how we're building the attack, and we spent all week on that in training. It's not to say you can't coach other stuff, but the feedback we're giving at halftime or even some of those other things, it should be probably around, well, how successful have we been at building the attack? You know, they're, they're pressing us and they're preventing us from, from doing this. Okay, so what, what do we need to do? At least then the, the coaches, is their feedback's more intentional. What are your thoughts are on that? Yeah, ask Tony or anyone else. Yeah, I think, it again that point of of having a focus so you know we 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 spoke a while ago about um syllabus for example working to a curriculum for example um and it's something that i'm introducing with our club this year um and i was doing a presentation ready for our coaches night in a couple of weeks time uh prior to the season starting in september and saying well look 
part of the reason for this is to give you a focus so that on a Saturday, with whatever happens in it, if you've been working on playing out from the back, then let that be your focus. Work on the other bits and pieces. Let the game take care of itself. Let the result take care of itself. But if, if we're going to train, if we're going to work on playing out from the back, then these are certain things that you need to notice. Do we switch the play? Do we create space? Do we look to get on the ball in midfield? There's your focus. That's the only thing you need to worry about on a Saturday. You know, no one's getting the sack at, at my club. No one is getting, um, you know, no one's going to get the next England job that, that comes up. So have a focus, work to that focus. That way your players can see the, the correlation between this is what we did in training, this is why we did it, and when it came to the game, it didn't work. Okay, there might be reasons for that. Why didn't it work in the game? Well, we've only got half a third to training, but we're doing it on a big pitch. Okay, but did you follow the principles of what we tried to do? So, did you force players inside, outside, you know, whatever your particular uh, work for that week was? Otherwise, what is the point in doing finishing from crosses on, on a Tuesday night if you never get the ball into crossing positions on, on Saturday. So I, I guess that's that's my take on it a little bit. No, bang on. Yaz, anything from you? No, I'm just, you know, just taking in everything that's been said, really. I think the key things for me are just, if we want to be better at noticing, we need to know what we're looking for. Um we need to be specific about what we're looking for, and, and once we've decided that, we kind of the noticing piece is almost the laser focus around those key observations. So, as an example, if I'm looking at right, Gerard's taking on Tony as a one v one situation, and he's constantly looking to try and get on the outside of Tony. Well, what is it specifically that's allowed Gerard to get success? And if Gerard's got success, let's just say seven out of ten times what happened in those other three out of ten times that was different from the times where the success actually took place. And I think it's really looking at the minute details in terms of right, what was Gerard's body shape like? How did the ball come in? What are those specific things? Because, well, you know, every time Gerard's received the ball and it's actually coming at him with pace and Tony's looked to press him, well, actually, that's when Gerard's actually got his success. But when the ball's coming slowly, that's what supported Tony and stopped Gerard from getting by, if that makes sense. I think it's really laser focusing on what it is that we're going after and looking for, then we can start to kind of unpack and uncover what might exist within that little space, if you like. It's almost, um, an analogy has popped in my head. It's almost like an advent calendar, right? I know today's going to be the 13th of August, so let me open the one on the 13th of August and see what's there. Leave everything else out of it. What happens on the 13th of August, if that makes sense? Um I don't know if it's the best analogy, but it's just one that popped into my head as I was speaking. But that's probably the key thing for me more than anything else. It's just looking at that and just then something else just kind of, you know, really to pick up on as well that you guys mentioned. And I think I, I touched on this earlier as well, that let's not always go after the perception of the player that we're looking to work with. but Actually, the perception of the players that they're encountering on the opposition what are the opposition actually seeing when this player is coming through? Use it as an opportunity for peer learning, maybe. Share some insights and feedback amongst one another for them to understand. Actually, do you know what, Gerard, you're approaching Tony in this way, but Tony doesn't even see it like that. Tony's not even 
Tony's not even on the same wavelength in terms of what you're trying to get him to think about in terms of where you want to direct play or whatever that might look like. Because Tony's basically seeing that whenever you come in, you're a yard, you know, half a yard to the left, and you think you're showing him to the left, but actually, Tony's still seeing the Tony's still seeing the right hand side all day long because of the way you're coming at him. Now, everything you've done in your approach might be relevant in terms of how you shut them down, if you've got, how you got into position, in terms of your body shape. Um, but actually, something I look at is then, well, is your body shape mirrored to the body position? Is it in alignment? Uh, meaning, where are you actually situated and what are you actually positioned as? It's two different things, right? And you trying to go through that process and put pressure on Tony doesn't necessarily mean that's what Tony's receiving, if that makes sense. Um so yeah, those are probably the two major things that I've kind of really taken away and picked up from everything that's been discussed so far. I don't know if that helps in any way, shape, or form, but yeah. No, it's all good. I mean, the only thing I'd probably just add on is anything, you know, you used that phrase before about having a laser focus. So obviously these are good strategies we're sharing, we're talking about where this can obviously help. But then also there's always a trade-off, isn't there? So if we're only focusing on X, whatever X is, if it's the passes forward, if it's the body shapes, if it's the defensive position off the ball, if it's whatever, obviously we aren't going to necessarily see other things. So I think it's just recognising that trade-off because as much as it can be a strength of being real laser focused in what it is you're going after, there will obviously be things that we don't notice so it's just making sure that as coaches we're comfortable with that, that we might miss other stuff, you know, intentionally or, or not. There's a video, um, I use it a lot on different courses. I'm sure you've all seen it. Um, do you remember that Nike one where it was uh, count the number of passes the team makes? Have you seen that one, Yaz, or no? No, I don't think so. I'll have to send you the link. I'll put it on the thread after, but there's basically a video where it's like a really old advert, but it was count the number of passes the the team in, I can't remember if it was the team in black or the team in white, where so you've got two teams, right, two different groups, people wearing black shirts, people wearing white shirts or white kit, and they're throwing the basketball, so you're counting only the, let's say the white, right so you watch the clip for 30 seconds so everyone's like that, right, how many passes did they make, and then it asks you at the end you know, how many passes did the team in white make I think it was the white team, I can't remember um and obviously, you know, we're all going and some people might go 13 and I say 11 and you said 9 or 22, whatever, right? You get the point. And then after it, will say, okay, the correct answer was whatever it was, right? But then it goes, but did you notice the moonwalking bear? Have you seen it or no? Is that I have, anybody I, I else? Have, I haven't seen, I don't know if I've seen that specific one, but I get the gist of what you're saying. Like, you, you know, your attention is directed to a certain point, so you kind of miss everything else around it. Yeah, so it literally, this moonwalking, and everyone's like, moonwalking bear? So it replays it, and then anyway, you watch it again, but now you can see there's a guy in a bloody bear costume, and he's doing the <laughs> Michael Jackson moonwalk right in the middle of both people throwing and catching the ball so it just goes to show like you, the way the brain's wired is you can focus on that but the, it's one of those things as well is once you've seen it you can't not notice it even though you're yeah to Tony's point around what you pick up on your peripheral and just your other mind once you're then counting the passes again you'll always notice the moonwalking bear but initially you don't 
just because you're so focused in on only seeing that little small aspect of the bigger picture. So it's just something as an example for people to think about, you know, because there will be other things, uh, things that we miss. But no, it's all good. Awesome, awesome. I'm conscious, obviously, you know, is, you know, I've, I've kind of probably given an, my own thoughts on this. Tony, you've shared quite a bit. Joe, you shared quite a bit. So, um, unless anyone else has got anything to add, I think it, it might be a good opportunity just to kind of wind down and wrap up. I was just going to say that Yaz needs to run faster. What's that supposed to mean? <laughs> Love it. Love it. Well, Jazz, I think it's been good, good, really, lots of good, rich stuff shared. Um, I'll, I'll put on obviously some links, to information on some upcoming Twitter spaces. We've got the accredited events that are happening as well. I'm Yaz in the webinar on game model, um, and obviously we'll, we'll we'll share that information as well. Yeah, most definitely. So obviously, for anyone that's not or not aware, myself and Jared have been running the series of CPD Twitter spaces over the last well. I don't even know what to call them anymore. X spaces, if you want to call them that. Um, over the last couple of months, and we've got a next series starting on the 27th, so two weeks from now. Um, so we'll be taking a break next Sunday um, and then coming back on the 27th of August where we'll be starting a new series of spaces around the theme of developing a game model um, where we'll finish off with a webinar on that so you can find out more information on that if you just keep you know make sure you're following us we'll be sharing some information out on that in the next couple of days um but yeah pretty much it really gerard cheers guys awesome. have a great rest of the evening. Guys, have a great evening well there you have it guys another episode of the coaches network podcast where our aim is to bring the world of athlete talent and personal development together to just one platform and you can help us with that mission right now by sharing this episode or any of your favorite episodes with everyone that you can think of. You can tag us in those mentions as well on Instagram at The Coaches Network or on Twitter at The Coaches Net. We look forward to hearing from you. Let us know what you thought about today's episode. And until next time, guys, take care.